Welcome to Game Changers Live from Miami, Florida. My name is Sergio Tijera. I'm your host. And each and every week, we bring you someone who has been a game changer in their field and who's touched the lives of thousands to get their perspective on their journey, their mindset, their struggles and successes so that we can inspire you on your journey. So let's get started right now. And welcome to Game Changers Live. You can catch us each and every week, bringing you some unbelievably inspiring stories. Thank you so much for your support. You can catch us on YouTube, LinkedIn, any of your platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty soon here in April, we'll be on Island TV as well, which is actually shown in the British Virgin Islands, which is where she's at right now. Brittany Turner is my guest for today. And that, by the way, is not a Zoom background. That is an actual background of this gorgeous island uh, which Brittany owns and lives in and is doing some amazing work. We'll get into that, but there's, there is such a powerful story here, guys, you want to stick around to the end. So a little bit about Brittany. She founded Ariel in 2009 at the age of 21 with the mission of elevating people and places. She's since formed multiple companies, seven of them, under the Ariel brand, all accelerating the mission by empowering people, sustaining the planet, and using capitalism as a force for good and she also has the g-force mastermind which you have if you haven't heard about this it's an amazing uh, five to seven day retreat there on the island it's an exclusive community of entrepreneurs who have dedicated their lives businesses and resources to being a force for good in the world so Brittany, you're you're an entrepreneur you're an investor you're a philanthropist one of the most Im impressive things, if you haven't heard about uh, Brittany, and we'll, we'll get into this, is not so much that she's created the, these incredible companies and has had this incredible impact on the world, because that's what this show is about, but the fact that at a very early age, you had a very clear sense of purpose for your life. Tell me about how that happened. Two things. I, I had a, a vision when I was 12 years old, which I didn't even believe in stuff like that. I didn't understand it. But I was just sitting in church thinking about boys and I had a, a, a really powerful vision. It was kind of like an out-of-body experience that I saw myself doing work in Africa and I felt the presence of God. And I don't know or care what this podcast like believes when it comes to that, but I can't tell my story any other way. Yeah. Um, God has been such an integral part of my journey and it can't be even denied because it's been ridiculous. The kind of miracles that have unfolded in my life. And the reason I'm going to share that with you today is, is we can tell you how to be successful in business all day long. We can tell you how to make a difference in the world and all this stuff. But if you aren't living in your purpose, if you're not tapped into that inner guidance system, if you don't know how to hear what's right for your life, you're going to be chasing what everybody else tells you to do and what everybody else says is cool or sounds good or seems profitable. Uh, but, but you have that source inside you that knows all things past, present, and future and what's right for you and your one chance on earth. And, and if I could impart anything, it would be to, to get to know that voice and to, to be able to figure that out because it's, it's honestly ridiculous. I, I grew up in a not wealthy family whatsoever. One of six kids I was raised on a farm in South Carolina and homeschooled. So we didn't even have TV. We were nobodies. And to be able to affect as many nations right now 
and to be able to orchestrate the kind of good that I've been entrusted with has been just truly humbling, but it has been a journey of not only knowing that voice, but, but staying true to it, even when the circumstances are beyond trying and not something you feel like continuing to keep going with. Uh, but the second thing outside of that vision at 12 was I went to this survival school so that I could be in Africa, and, like be saving babies and never lose track of like the mission, no matter what obstacle I faced and the, the tough environments I wanted to live in. And I went into this school because I had leaders from all over the world come in and teach. And this guy said, today we are going to write your eulogy. And I was like, what is that? Seven Already? <laughs> it's a little young for that. <laughs> right. It seems young. It seems young. Yeah. But I was a good person. I, I like knew God from a young age. So I did, didn't have a bunch of weird baggage or anything in high school. I, I was a very good kid and I wanted to be a missionary. It's not like you can go out partying and it be mm -hmm. acceptable. But when I wrote that story, I realized that though I was a good person, not one of the things I wanted to be said about me when I died were on track to becoming true. And I realized that if I don't live an intentional life now, if I don't start today, then those statements will never be true with my health, with my lifestyle, and with the way in which I even want to build wealth, which is why I have Ariel. You know, it's we don't want to just make money to then go do good. We want to do good while we make money and then do, go do good with the money. One of the things you said there, well, a couple of things you said there are, are, are hugely important. Number one is that starting with the end in mind, what do you want to be known for? We're here in such a short time, if, if you think about it. And, and you're obviously very aware of that. But a lot of people, we go through life going through the paces, doing what everyone says we're supposed to do and, you know, go to college, get a job, do this, do that, you know, follow the paces. And it could put, could provide you a very kind of comfortable life, but it's also a very, perhaps a, a very unfulfilled life. You know, you, you, you're comfortable, but are you truly happy and, and feeling like you're making the impact in the world that you think you should? How do you find that purpose you were, you were kind of blessed with that at, at some point. You just, you know, had that realization. How, what, what would you suggest to people to help them find their way? It's not that I was blessed with a realization. I did an exercise that you can do too. Where, why are businesses easy for people to be successful in versus their relationships? Well, they're forced to create a plan or nobody's going to give them money to make it reality. So, if you take the time to create a vision and make any kind of plan and you're forced to think through things that, other than just living a life escaping into Instagram or alcohol or whatever you're escaping into, right? do that same methodology with anything in your life. Where do I want to end up? What are the practical steps required to get there? What can I start doing today that allows me to know that I'm on track with accomplishing this in my one chance on earth. A really easy example is if you've ever gone on a road trip from, let's say, Florida to Maine, if you end up in Nevada, then you're realizing you're off track 
But in order to do that trip in, let's say, five days, if you don't pass North Carolina at some point, then you know, okay, something's wrong. So you start with putting Maine into your GPS, and there is a guarantee you're not going to take the exact path that you thought. Something's going to come up. Traffic, closed roads, Mm -hmm. something's going to pop up, but it doesn't stop you from getting to Maine. And so that's what I like to share with people is put in your GPS where you're looking to go. As you get closer to the next step of getting there, you will reroute accordingly, but it doesn't change Mm -hmm. that direction. So the direction of my life is that I want to serve humanity. I want to elevate people in places. Now, what does that mean? Cause I'm not into sounding fancy. I don't like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not fancy at all. I own nice stuff, but I'm not here to sound smart or to sound cool. Mm-hmm. Elevating people in places. What's the picture in my head when I say that? So I, you want to have a broad stroke, like word <laughs> of the purpose of my life mm-hmm. to blank. It could, be right. it could be love. It could be worship. It could be, you know, empower it could be encouraged what's your word and that's that's what you're going for with every single ounce of your being but what are some things that i would like to further in my lifetime i want to help end sex trafficking i could have been that little girl that's out there suffering every day praying and wishing that somebody would do something about this hell on earth existence so i want to end that i want to solve poverty rooted atrocities because we've solved poverty before. It can be done again. And so many dark things are happening on this planet because of desperation. How can we bridge the gap between the knowledge of the, the rich to the poor? And how do we create hand up, not hand out programs? So those are those are some KPIs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But those, yeah, they are, right? I mean, if you plan your life out like a business. The, and the scary part, I think, of why a lot of people don't do that is the fact that they're going to realize very quickly that they are not in alignment with what they say they want. Right. And the road ahead is, you know, wow, I need to get rid of some friends that I think, you know, maybe don't serve me well. I need to do this. I need to possibly, you know, start working out, eating better, all this stuff. And then perhaps it seems, oh, this is too difficult. You know what? I'll just kind of keep going down my path. It's easier. Well, I like to tell people, and it's going to sound mean, but nobody cares about you. Nobody on this entire planet truly cares about you in the way you need to care about you. Mm. They're all going to interact and use you or love you and appreciate you based on what you can give them and the kind of person that you are that day. We're all very reactive beings, but not one person is accountable for your potential. And nobody's going to drag you into being there. People will come in and out of your life to encourage you. But if you don't care about you, if you don't take your life seriously enough to say, how do I want to give my gift so that I can be fulfilled? I have these desires in my heart for a reason. If you don't care and you don't take the time to make those plans, just know that nobody else is going to do it for you. So you can die with what Les Brown, one of my favorite quotes in the world, he says, on your deathbed, the ghosts of the dreams of the things that you were supposed to accomplish in this life are going to be sitting around your deathbed looking at you saying, we came to you and only you could have brought us life. And now we have to die forever and be in the grave 
because you didn't do anything. So there are, really are consequences, not to be pressureful or a jerk or any of that stuff to yeah. yourself, but there really are consequences of people suffering because you didn't step into the thing or you lived escaping or you chose to be insecure or you chose to hang on to a limiting belief or a label that somebody put on your life. And, and right now I could just ball my face off thinking about it. Yeah. But in this journey of that, I did not have this part figured out until later, just so you know, guys, it's not like I had this grand plan and it was exactly mm -hmm. how, as I took each step in faith, going towards Maine. We'll the general say, direction, right? In yeah. that direction, I've been entrusted with more as I've been faithful with what I've been given. Right. You know? And that faithfulness did not feel great most of the time, just so you know, and it was not fun and it wasn't an Instagram highlight reel. There's been a lot of like hard times, but a lot of times like guys, what we label as hard is just because we don't freaking know what we're doing. So yeah. we're complicated, even what you call hard. But had I given up, when I got sued multiple times from people just trying to steal my money, had I given up when <clears throat> I that I loved and trusted stabbed me in the back, had I given up when I had people come to my house to try to kill me uh, for cleaning up neighborhoods and taking out wow. drug dealers out of neighborhoods, had I given up when a hurricane destroyed my the vessel in which I, I had my entire future calling or when I was in an abusive relationship that tried to kill me. Like, like all the things. And on top of that, just never feeling qualified to do any of the stuff I've done. Who am I? You know, that's always a question. Had I given up at any point in this journey, I would not have started. Had I given up, let's say just when the hurricane hit this place. Yeah. And I didn't have insurance because my ex canceled it three weeks before the greatest. Oh hurricane. my gosh. <laughs> it pissed me off. It worked. But anyway, had I given up when this place got over $20 million of damage and had I not chose to serve the people of BVI and see the need and, and become a responder to a disaster, I wouldn't have started aerial recovery, which five years later, now almost five years later, we've rescued 540 orphans in Ukraine from being blown up because I went on to keep responding to disasters. And then I attracted this wonderful man into my life. And now we get to serve people together. He's a 20 year military veteran. 10 years of that was uh, special forces. And, and now as he's getting all these guys who are retiring and don't have purpose in their life to use their skills, use their they're everything that makes them great and apply it to rescue missions and disaster zones. So it's like double prizes of, of being able to have effective missions and giving these veterans that sometimes we're suicidal, a new purpose and new reason for being and to save lives versus take lives. And so it's this, if I said no at any point, if I gave up at any point, 540 babies today would not be here, let alone the thousands of other ones that we're working on saving right now. And that's just one country, let alone the other 12 that we've been to in the last 24 months. So it's, it's been so interesting to see the things I could have never planned. Had I quit, the ripple effect would be life altering for others. That is incredibly powerful. One of the, one of the quotes I heard from, from Tom Hanks once, when they're you know, reflecting back on his career and so forth, he says, this too shall pass. And if I only knew that, 
right? At, at some point, because in your darkest moments, this too shall pass and you will rise again. You will have opportunities again. But in that moment, you are just, you know, in despair, right? You're like, how am I going to get out of this? And I'm done. Like, and like you said, you don't know what you don't know. You feel like you're not an expert. You start doubting yourself, your abilities, your skills. What was it that kept you going? Two things. One, I met a little girl when I was 17 after I went through that survival school and that leadership school. At the very end, we had a mission trip in Costa Rica. And I met uh, a little girl at the end of this little conference we put on, which sounds fancier than it was. And I asked her her name. And she couldn't tell me. Oh, my gosh. That the translator told me that when she was an infant, um, she was sexually abused and the abuse destroyed her vocal cords. Oh, my gosh. And I wanted to, like, go kill that guy because you're just, like, mad that that could happen to somebody so innocent. But I found out later that one out of every four babies in this specific region die before they turn one from sexual abuse. An infant, little tiny baby. And I got on my knees that night and I just dedicated my life. I said, God, whatever it looks like, I want to be the person that does something about this. I want to make this not a thing. And every time that I've wanted to quit, I remember why I named the company Ariel. And that was to keep that big picture in mind and take myself out of this moment of pain and, and remember this is not forever. This too shall pass. This is about being able to make a way for, for others. And, and for those listening that have dealt with this bullcrap thing of privilege, I just want to tell you there is a whole level of responsibility that comes with the access that you've been granted in life. You know, if somebody was born here, that you were born here, you don't have to go through this amount of struggle, which means you have this amount of responsibility to be able to help others. I'm not telling you to hand your dollars to people that don't know what to do with it. I'm telling you to look at your life and say, what can I create as a force for good? What have I been given that I could possibly bless other people with? Because no matter what you do or don't have, you still have something. Mm -hmm. Could be a hug today. It could be billions tomorrow, but let's just see. But there is a responsibility that comes with that. And at 17, I had nothing. I, I maybe had $50 in my bank account. I had no influence. Um, I didn't have a network of powerful people. I didn't know how to make money. I wanted to just move to Africa the next year. But I realized that if I really want to do something about the fact that it is socially acceptable to rape babies, if I want to make that not a thing, then I'm going to have to get my ish together and I'm going to have to Google my way into figuring this hmm. out because I was born in a country where that is not acceptable. And just for the fact that even though I had nothing and I wasn't you know, born into a rich family, I was born into the access of saying there are laws in place that say I can figure this out. And I recognize that gift. And I decided to do something about it at 17. And I bought my first house at 18 years old which was supposed to be the beginning of this beautiful, easy journey of building wealth and real estate. I didn't realize it was 2007 and the worst time you could get into real estate <laughs> ever. But even getting in at the worst time ever made me a certified 
focused person that had to get it right. If not, you would fail. I had to be excellent. And I, I used to be pretty sloppy. I became not sloppy because if I was sloppy, I'd lose everything. And so, right. so all of it's a gift. Every part of life is a gift. And even saying this too shall pass, the good stuff will also pass. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's all good. And it's all a blessing. You're just not far enough away from it to see it just yet sometimes. Uh, don't label or ever curse the path because the path is is what you are supposed to have. Now, don't that doesn't mean go self-destruct on purpose or do stupid things that create, you know, baggage in your life. We don't need that right. extra drama. But that being said, it is all a blessing. And it's a blessing unless you label it otherwise. When you started off, I was I was hearing your story that you were working at Cheesecake Factory, working your way up, and you were trying to pay your your mortgage and you know your rent and so forth, and you needed one extra table to try to get to that point because you weren't making that much money, and you happened to come up on on some real estate investors. D- tell me about that story from there to the, like the rehab, and then and the, ending up living in your car. Uh, you know what was that like? Tell me that. Well, I had that vision of wanting to be a missionary. And then I came back from that trip that I'm telling you about. And I realized I needed resources And this. I used to really hate rich people because I am a millennial and we were trained that rich people were evil. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if it's Disney or what, but I did not think that you could be a good person. Money, you know, is the root of all evil, all the stuff that were lies that I believed in that could have totally ruined the rest of my life had I not shifted those belief systems. So came back and this rich guy was coming into class. So I skipped the class. I didn't realize as a very good student that he was speaking for multiple days. So I end up in his class and he said, he was teaching all this stuff. And I was in the back, like drawing out my missionary training base and how cool that was going to be. And I was thinking how I would ever get donors to fund it and bring it into reality. And he said, who in here has been on a mission trip? And I was like, finally, I can participate in this guy's class. <laughs> and he said, who's had to raise money for that mission trip? Who did not like that process? And I raised my hand and I was like, I do not like this. This is not fun. And he said, did you know you can buy a house with no money down? And if your mortgage payment is $900 a month, you rent it out for $1,200 a month. You get to keep that $300. And I was like, go on. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. He said, he said, do that 10 times. Yeah, do that 10 times. You don't have to ask anybody for money. And you can live in Africa for the rest of your life as doing whatever your calling is. And I was like, genius. It was really teaching rich dad, poor dad. Right. Yeah. And so that's when I went out like two weeks later, 18 years old, and bought my first house, which I was a waitress at the time. My parents didn't give me any money for it. But they were giving anybody loans because it was 2007. Right. So in the process of buying it, I heard about this thing called flipping houses, which I'd never heard of before because those shows weren't popular back in 2007. Mm -hmm. Well, they were. And I heard you could buy a crappy house, work on it. And I'm a hard worker. And you could make like $10,000, which is a billion dollars. At that age. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so... I was like, okay, well, I'm going to flip enough houses to save those chunks of $10,000 because I heard if you saved them and you have $100,000, you could use $100,000 as a down payment on an apartment complex. Then you can make $10,000 a month, which means you can build your own orphanages and you don't have to 
ask anybody for money. Now, the same essence of what I captured at 18 years old, I hope you all capture, is not that we don't let people interact with our nonprofits and fund things, which I didn't do for like 12 years. I did not let people help me out of pride and stubbornness and whatever was wrong with me. Um, It's not that we do that. It's that may we take our calling serious enough to find a way to solve the potential obstacles and to have the resources we need, to have the education we need, to have the body you need, to, to, to what, what do you need to accomplish that mission? Now, if I, if I weighed 400 pounds, I would not be able to go. I just came back from Ukraine two days ago. Wow. I wouldn't be able to go on those hardcore missions. I wouldn't be able to hike through Haiti and, and medevac people that got smushed by the earthquake. Like I wouldn't be able to, to do the things I really want to do. And health was not a priority to me until mm. four or five years ago. I was, I was putting everything first, treating my body just like a lot of entrepreneurs poorly. And even if I wasn't massively overweight, I didn't have the maybe stamina to be able to keep going and keep serving people. And so, so just start asking yourself better questions. And like we talked about earlier, nobody's going to force you to be the best version of yourself. And so stop. How long do you want to avoid truly being fulfilled? How long do you want to be escaping this anxiety and depression that we all have when we're not living as the person we know we can be. And so therefore we're sad about it. And yeah. so ask yourself those questions. I, I did buy that house at 18. I wanted to learn how to flip houses. I called, uh, I've I researched every college in America trying to learn which colleges would teach you how to flip houses. And none of them did. <laughs> One of them did. And I was like, what? I thought this is what people do. And so I decided, I guess I have to learn another way, which was not popular amongst the family or anybody else who did not go to college at that time was not cool. But I'm very practical. I'm like, well, if they don't teach what I want to learn, why would I go? And they're like, well, you just do. And I was like. It's just what people do, right? Why? And they're just like, that's just what you do. So anyway, um, I knew that I'd have to learn from other investors. And I called the We Buy Houses sign saying, okay, I want to work for you for free. How do I get into this? And they're like, get out of the market now. I don't watch TV. So I didn't know there was a global economic meltdown going on specifically in real estate. So I end up reading every book I can get my hands on, studying 12 hours a day. And I end up working at waiting tables. And after almost three years of everything I tried, I tried to learn how to flip houses. I, I tried to be a loan officer in 2008. That didn't work out. No loans closed. Wow. Thing I tried to touch was just a failure. And so I'm waiting tables at the cheesecake factory. But you're heading direction in, in the direction because, you know, learning the skills, getting, get, getting the experience so that you could get the resources to do what you want to do. That was the idea, but it was not publicly cool. Yeah. I did not, though, though I was putting in the work behind the scenes to have that foundation for success, I definitely was shamed, I would say would be the word, like shamed and told that it would never work. And, and I didn't have mm-hmm. any 
prove to other people. And so some of the best advice I can give you guys or experience sharing would be to know that as you start to wake up and you start to learn these things and you start to fill your mind with what other successful people are doing and, and becoming this person, human beings don't want to be conned. And so they will test you. They will doubt you. They're also not at that level yet. They're not, they're not filling their mind with those things. And so as you start to rise above, they're going to, they're not horrible people. They just, people don't want to be conned and they don't want fake change. So I have a, a rule inside that says, give it five years. There's a five-year lag time typically before family will believe you. Those mm. friends will believe you. And so you have to... Be willing to what I call Noah's Ark that ish, which is hear from God, look crazy as hell. Right. Be willing to build the business or this giant boat for potentially 120 years, looking like the boat person in the neighborhood. <laughs> then you end up saving humanity and looking like a genius. And my new favorite quote is beautiful is the day the genius finds out they ain't crazy. Nice. And it, it's amazing because just like the, the iceberg, people will only see the tip when it when it rises above, right? But they don't see all the work, all the struggle, the doubt, those sleepless nights that you had, that, that you persevered through. Well, to wrap up that story, I'm sitting at the Cheesecake Factory, apron full of real estate books, and I needed to make $350 in order to pay my mortgage. And I said, and after a nine hour shift, I worked a double, I had made $7 and change. And oh I was like, God, why am I here? I'm sure you want me to pay my bills. <laughs> like, <laughs> why am I here? I'm smart in this because I had really learned a lot. <clears throat> I I heard loud and clear because I want to bless you. And mm. extremely long story short, the next table that came in ended up being real estate investors. And I was so self-educated that I impressed them and they invited me to a conference. And at that conference, I ended up meeting somebody that said they need an assistant to teach how to do all these deals. And I thought that was my break of a lifetime. And I'm here to save the babies and this is going to work. And I moved to Nashville to work for free for, or not for free, I work, to work for them. $600 less than the minimums on my credit cards. I rent my house out to these guys on credit. Oh my gosh. Within 60 days, they fired me and the first month's rent check of those renters bounced. And so I'm like massively in debt, massively in a hole, end up moving into my car, working for free for some rehabbers. And I, had, because I'd learned to give first, no matter how bad your life is, you still have to find a way to serve the people who are where you want to be. Mm. Give first and that blessing may not come back from them, but it will come back somehow. And I worked for them, lived in my car, worked 21 hours a day. So it wasn't like I was in my car that much. Um, <laughs> and I learned the business. I survived financially by, by filling up their rental portfolio and like getting these tiny commissions. I learned how to work to learn, not work to earn. And the right. next three the next year after that, I became the biggest rehabber in Nashville. And then the next two years after that, I became one of the biggest infill developers in Nashville. And then I became the sixth fastest, the Forbes sixth fastest growing woman owned slash woman led company in the world. And fortune number three for fastest growing urban uh, company, period, men and women in the wow. entire United States. And like, I've won every award. And I'm very proud of that. That's great. Cool. I didn't even go pick them up because 
they weren't, it, this has never been for awards. I want to freaking save babies. I never lost that vision. I did learn how to build wealth. I did learn how to make sure that money never controls me the way that it did when I was in debt and I could barely pay my bills. That debt is such a, a chokehold on your calling. Yeah. And I, I learned that's when money's your God. It's not when you own it. It's when it owns you because yeah. it's, you have to think about it all day. And so I built my real estate development career, not just to make money, but to learn how to revitalize entire regions of hopeless places. And it's the worst way you could be a real estate developer because it's the riskiest. But I wasn't thinking about only Nashville. I was thinking about Haiti. I was thinking about Africa. I was thinking about bringing in jobs and opportunities so that people don't have to sell their kids. And I thankfully have gone from the southeast of the United States and taking broken areas and making them economically self-sustainable to now doing it on islands. And I do have my own island and I, I use it to, to bring together people who want to find their purpose and activate into that and say, I'm done living this, this surfacey life and quote unquote, getting ahead with things that don't really matter. I want to know what matters and I want to live my life accordingly. And that's what people come here to find. And then they go do this good across the world. And so this island is, is just one piece of the entire puzzle of the story of my life, which is orchestrating good and serving humanity. And so I'm grateful to be on this show. I know we're probably going over time. No, I love it. I love it. You're, you're an angel to so many people, um, Brittany. Th thank you so much for, for sharing that story. It's incredibly inspiring. A lot of gems in there that people can take. And, you know, there's a saying that you never know how your, how your words are going to land. But you know that some of the things that we just talked about are going to change the trajectory of, of, of some people's lives today. And so as we celebrate International Women's Month, we're at the tail end. I wanted to make sure to get this one in, in in March here. Thank you so much for what you do. Congratulations on your success and the impact that you've had on so many people. You absolutely are a game changer. Um, if others wanted to find out more about the GeForce Mastermind or some of the development work or, or help and contribute to the foundation, how could they reach out to you? Thank you. Yes. Uh, Instagram is always great. We've got uh, at GeForce Mastermind. We've got at Brittany Turner. We've got GeForceMastermind.com. And that is, that's a, it's a mastermind of entrepreneurs that said, I've dedicated my life, my business, my resources to being a force for good in the world. How do I actually scale that into the hundreds of millions of dollars? If that's your calling, if it's, if it's 1 million, we're get, we get there. If it's in the, you want to be a billionaire, we get there. And so I've learned a lot of really cool skills and I never had the mentorship or, or really somebody I could look at that cared about people on the planet and was a for-profit in the way in which I cared and, and was dedicated. So after building my own businesses for 12 years, I finally started just sharing this with others. So it was, it was never the goal to, to, to be a coach, but it's, it's a, I feel a responsibility to be able to, to give this kind of information to the other really passionate people in the world that care deeply for others. So that is GeForce Mastermind. And, um, and if you want to learn more about the disaster relief and the rescue operations for sex trafficking and, um, 
and people all around the world. If you want to get involved in that, go to aerialrecoverygroup.com. And you also have that on Instagram as well. We'd love to work with you. This is not a, an us show. This is an all of us working together to, to help people that are in desperate need. Absolute life or death situations. So thank well, you. Thank you so much. You're a game changer. Make sure to be a game changer in someone else's life and share this with somebody who needs to hear it. Thank you so much, Brittany. We'll see you guys next week. If you loved what you heard in today's episode of Game Changers, please subscribe and rate us. The lessons and the stories in these podcasts are immensely valuable, so I invite you to share them with a friend who needs to hear it. You may end up being the game changer in their lives.